study this morning, and I'd like a couple of people to give us our key scriptures as we start this out. Maybe somebody over on this side would like to give us Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Someone like to do that for us? Brother uh, uh, Dwayne and uh, Mr. Kaler, would you get for us 1 Timothy 3.15? We'd like to uh, read those in launching. We need our five key words again. Somebody like to give us our five key words. Five key words in the house of God. Yes. The house. Household. Servant. The steward. You missed one. The householder. Okay. These are the five key words that have to do with our understanding of the house of God or God's house. What's the overriding qualification that's demanded by a steward? Because that's really... Uh, what we're uh, homing in on in this study is the steward. And we've studied these other things so we might be able to understand the steward and his function and what's the overriding qualification through all of this that's really the key that we uh, need to understand. A qualification that'll make him a steward. Without that qualification, he can't be a steward. Uh, Mark? We don't own anything. God owns everything. Well, we're going to study about that this morning. That's proprietorship. But that is not the, uh, the qualification. Uh, without him understanding that he'll not be a steward. But there's a qualification. Sister Mayock? Faithful. Faithfulness is a qualification that's absolutely essential to be a steward of God. That undergirds everything that we're going to say and everything that we have uh, uh, studied thus far and will study till the end. Then we uh, studied uh, two weeks ago about possession and, uh, and then last week about gospel distribution. And, uh, and so uh, there's something that, that uh, has to do with both of these that have to do with our possessions and... Uh, with the distribution of the gospel and uh, and that's going to uh, uh, undergird this and that's something that we have to consider that we're constantly facing and what is that? If we violate this and we violate this what, what will discover that? We understand that. Louis? Accountability. Okay. You're a very perceptive student. I'm proud of you. The work of teaching can only be proven not by how good you feel about the teacher, but whether you understand what he's been saying. Amen. One of the laws of teaching is, uh, is uh, whether the students are getting it, uh, whether it's passing from the notebook of the instructor into the notebook of the student, or whether it's lodging as it goes uh, in between years. Very good. Okay, we want to, uh, then we want to uh, start this morning, Hebrews 3. One through six. Could we read that uh, out loud? Yeah. Son over his own house, whose house are we? All right, this passage of scripture. You cannot understand without understanding what we've been learning in the uh, study of God's house. And then 1 Timothy 3, chapter 15, tells us 
who this house is. The house of God has nothing to do with the four-score organization, Assembly of God, Baptist, Nazarene, Presbyterian, but it has to do with the church of Jesus Christ. That's what the house of God is. Okay, uh, turn with me to Genesis 14, and we want to begin on one of the most important studies of this entire series. Genesis 14, verse 22. Genesis 14, verse 22. This is the, uh, this is the occasion of Abraham, who was 318 of his household servants, trained, uh, pursued the kings uh, and fought them in the slime pit, overcame them, uh, restored Lot's uh, family, house, possession. Also, the, uh, the king of Sodom uh, sought to uh, enrich Abraham, and uh, Melchizedek met him, who was the uh, king of, of Jerusalem, and uh, Abraham tithed to him, and so on and so forth, these are the events. Then this key scripture that we want to take a look at, just one segment, and Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. The possessor of heaven and earth. Now, we want to lock in this morning on a study that uh, has to do with, with the three, or the four facets, rather, uh, that we're studying as far as uh, it uh, pertains to stewardship, and that's the stewardship uh, this morning that has to do with proprietorship. Someone has written that Christian stewardship is the practice of systematic and proportionate giving of time, ability, and material possessions based upon the conviction that these are trusts from God to be used in his service for the benefit of all mankind in grateful acknowledgement of Christ's redeeming love. These are trusts. These are something that we need to understand the terminology proprietorship, and I want to study this morning with you the proprietorship of time. We already studied the proprietorship of possession. We're going to come back in another facet of that a little later, but I want to study with you the proprietorship of time and a study on the stewardship of time. Now, we have a problem this morning, and that problem is, is the problem of proprietorship. Our generation has a problem of time. We have more time at our disposal than any generation that's ever lived. We have modern technology. We have devices. We have uh, labor-saving devices, microwave ovens. We have... Uh, modern uh, means of communication. We have telephone, telegraph, uh, telewoman. We have uh, post office. We have uh, all kinds of rapid means of communication. And uh, these devices have saved uh, uh, man uh, 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 tremendous time and placed more time at our disposal than any generation that's ever lived in history. And yet, what is the catch word of this generation? I don't have time. Isn't that a paradox? Stress for time, constantly stressed, and yet more time than anyone else. If uh, we, uh, people are, are, uh, are full of ulcers, they, they have high blood pressure, they have, they're, they're stressed, and, and, uh, and yet at the same time, there's emptiness and boredom and tedium 
And, and these are factors that, that run side by side in a generation that has, uh, that has uh, more time than any other generation that's ever lived. The reason for that is that our wrong view of time. We do not view ourselves as stewards of time, but we view ourselves as proprietors of time. That time belongs to us, and because man views himself as a proprietor of time at the same time, lives in a world where he's stressed and has time to kill. Say, so what are you doing? I'm just killing time. But the same person also generally will say, man, I don't have time. And so we live in a generation where these two contradictions are constant work upon us, and they have a tremendous pressure upon us, and uh, they move upon us in life. Okay, now to understand then, get a correct perspective, we have to understand. We read in Genesis 14:22 that God is a possessor of heaven and earth. Proprietorship is his. And so to correctly understand what we're going to say this morning, we have to understand that God is the Lord of time. As possessor of heaven and an earth, he is the Lord of time. Our time, our money, our abilities are not ours to possess. Ownership is not man, but it is God. He's the possessor of heaven and earth, and as that, he has a title deed to time. Okay, we need several scriptures, and we're going to uh, we're going to uh, hash this out. First Timothy one seventeen. Will somebody get that for us over here, quickly, Brother uh, Van Dyke? First Timothy one seventeen. I need Psalms ninety, verse two and verse four, Danny. Ninety, verse two and verse four. I need Matthew twenty four thirty six, uh, Brother uh, Brian and Jim Merck. Would you like to get for me Acts one seven? Our time, our money, our abilities are not ours to possess, but God, who is a possessor of heaven and earth, holds title deed to these. Now, I believe that Larry uh, made it very clear last week that when it has to do with, with uh, all of these things, that these relate to our stewardship of the gospel. See, all of this hinges back into what it is that God's doing in earth. What is God doing right now in, in planet earth? Anybody tell me what God's doing? What's God doing? He's what? Pouring out his spirit. Well, he's doing that, but that's incidental to what he's doing. Brian, what's he doing right now? You're moving too fast. We're going to get to that. You already undershot me. Okay, that's what he's doing, but, but that's incidental also to what the, he's doing. Uh, Patty, did you have your hand up? No, you didn't. Okay, uh, Joyce? He's wrapping it all up uh, for Christmas. He's wrapping it all up. See, we this terminology we're just using. We have we have people here that uh, are not saved, and we have people here that have just been saved. They don't have the slightest clue the language that we're talking. The end of time, and he's finishing. All right, but that's not what he's doing. We better uh, know what he's doing in view of that. But that's incidental. Uh, Jeff Brown. Yes, he's doing that, but that's incidental. Doesn't anybody know what God's doing on earth? Betty Brunson. Okay, where do we find that in Scripture? Acts 15, God is taking out of the Gentiles 
a people for himself. Everything else is incidental to that. Pouring out his spirit, capsulizing time, wrapping it all up, all of these things have to do and are viewed in light of what God's doing, and that is that he is taking out of the Gentiles a people for his name. He's saving people, and that's not something that's going to go on forever. Okay, so then uh, understanding stewardship then is in line with uh, what we're, uh, or the distribution or the administration have to do with that principal thrust that God's doing in time. Okay, then let's, let's think again. God is the Lord of times. 1 Timothy 1.17 1 Now unto the King eternal. Now God is related to eternity, not time. This time will blow your mind. You just start studying time, and it fuses you out. Time is something that's peculiar to earth. But God is eternal. He merely is involved in time because of what's involved in what he's doing in planet earth today. But God is not related to time except as Lord of time. He is the Most High God. And that means He is Lord of time, and He's related to eternity, not related to time, except as what He's doing on planet Earth. Psalms 90, verse 2 and verse 4. From eternity to eternity, God is God, always has been God, without beginning and without ending. See, the only thing we know is time. You say, when were you born? Uh, 10th of October, uh, 9th of October, 1929. Well, let's see, you're 51 years old. Where were you born? How were things then? Well, people were riding around in wagons and, and driving teams and plowing with horses when I was born. Time. But when we begin to think of God, from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. Before the earth was ever formed, he already was, and he always will be, and he has never changed in all that time. And so when we start talking the time, we relate that to earth, and what God's doing on earth uh, has to do with that, but God is not, uh, is not uh, related to time except as Lord of time. Matthew 24, 36. Okay, he is the Lord of time, and he reserves to himself the right of proprietorship. He does exactly what he wants. You say, what are you doing? He's doing what he wants to do. You either will flow with it, or you'll buck it. And it's just really, really hard to work against God. He's the Lord of time. Okay, Acts 1-7. Jesus said, it's not for you to know. They said, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? He said, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Now, in those verses that we've read, then we understand that God can intervene in time. He can expand time or contract time. A day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. He's not going to say, well, you can't do that. He can do anything he wants to do and does do. 
He can make a day as a thousand years, and he can make a thousand years as a day. No, God has no problem with time. We have problem with time. Are you getting a feeling of what I'm saying? He capsulized time. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what he's doing right now is he's capsulizing time. He can lengthen it, expand it, capsulize, and intervene in time because he's the Lord of time. Okay. Just get a little, is there any question right at this point? Am I triggering anything that's got you confused? Be a good time to settle it. Uh, Rob. Uh, Rob. Really an interesting example, he says, in Joshua in the Old Testament when he pointed the sun and said, uh, uh, stand still sun and moon over Mount uh, Aijalon, and it just time stopped until God's purpose was pursued through his people and completed. Amen? Okay, God is the Lord of time, Brother Jeff. Okay. Isaiah walks out through the, uh, uh, the, the place and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Hezekiah is uh, wanting a sign and so the, the sundial is altered and the sun is altered, time is altered. God can alter time, intervene in time, capitalize time, expand time, lengthen time. He can do anything he wants to to time and has in occasion demonstrated in history that he has that ability. Uh, Dale? There's been more happening in my lifetime than in the first 1900 years. Since the, since the turn of the century, can you imagine? Telephone, tele, telegrams, radio, television, airplanes, automobiles. When I was a, a boy, my dad had the first automobile in the whole section of the country where we were. He was like, I mean, he was in the upper crust. He had an automobile. They didn't have roads to go with. They had to pull it out of the ditch with a team of horses. But anyway, he had an automobile. That's been in my lifetime, see. And so what's happening today is a tremendous uh, thing that, uh, that's happening. Let's get some more scriptures to help us understand this before we uh, conclude uh, this particular segment. Matthew 24, 22. Somebody right in here like to get that. Hello? Ma yes, Sister Maya. Matthew 24, 22. Romans 9, 28. Uh, Gandalfo. And Second uh, Peter three eight, uh, brother Bob. So let's take a look at these to demonstrate this: that God is the Lord of time. It's important that we understand that God is the Lord of time. Matthew twenty four twenty two. Except those days be shortened, there should uh, no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, they shall be. Shorten. Romans nine twenty eight. A short work. This is another word completely from what Sister Mayot read. And this word means to capsulize. God's going to capsulize 
kind in 2 Peter 3.8. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God can alter time for his own purpose. It means nothing to God as far as his operation. He's the Lord of time. When Moses said, when he was met at the burning bush, and God uh, uh, met him and dealt with him and sent him down to Egypt to deliver his message and to proclaim his word, to be a messenger of his, of his, uh, of his uh, lordship, and uh, of his proprietorship of heaven and earth, possessor of heaven and earth, and uh, and uh, uh, and this is a powerful king, this king of Egypt. And Moses is to go down and say to this king, "Let my people go." And uh, Moses said, "Well, God, uh, you know, I don't really want to do that. This is a heavy, uh, it's a heavy, going to be a heavy scene down there." And he said, uh, "Who am I going to say sent me?" And God said, "I am." You say, I am, has sent me. And that is a powerful statement. That's the God who always was, ever will be, and, and uh, has no beginning, has no ending. The eternal God, the God of eternity, and he's the Lord of time. Time is within his grasp or in capability to do what he will with time because he's the Lord of time. We do not possess time. I spent that time to lay that groundwork that God is the Lord of time. Do we have any? Uh, do we have any question or any comment or input, Brother Dan? Well, your very question uh, shows that what our problem is is that we want to understand, because we want to understand time and human process. How's he going to? Well, what does that mean? That means exactly what it said. If he's going to. Uh, accelerate the process. There are many, many scriptures that bear with this, and uh, it could possibly be a number of all of those things. I don't really know, Dan. Right, I understand that. Because we, we say, well, and in other words, our view is a, is a world view. It's a human view, and we view what needs to be done or what can be done with human perspective. But God does not view it that way, and we need to believe God when he says, I'm going to accelerate, capsulize, Time, I can do that. And when you say, I've got 24 hours, this is what I'm mistaken. I can, I've got 24 hours to do this. You may or may not have. God can do what he wants, and, and we're dealing with the alteration of time. See. We say, well, this can't possibly. There are many people that are saying today, well, the Jesus can't possibly come because the, the world has never been evangelized. <laughs> i got news for you. God's the Lord of time. Number one, I'm uh, in serious uh, doubt as to whether it has not been evangelized. But number two, let's say that it has not. God can do that in 30 seconds. And you that were going to repent at the 11th hour, you found out that Jesus came at 1045. Amen. You, you understand what I'm saying, Dan? Because that's our, that's, our, that's our human limitation. We function by time. We're slaves of time. And this is what we're locking in on this morning is an understanding, and it's going to give you a tremendous revelation if you stick with me and, uh, and follow through what I'm saying. Because I can't comprehend, because the only thing I can understand is the laws with which I work. But God's not limited to that. He's the Lord of time. Brother, uh, yes. Okay, brother says uh, our problem is we're wanting things to hurry up or things to slow down. 
but it's not up to us if we give ourselves to God. That's true, exactly why we're studying this lesson this morning. Brother Dwayne. Right. Okay, they kept saying, when, when is this going to be? When is this going to be? When is See, we constantly want marks. We're, we're, we're looking for signs so that we can alter, order our life now and we can start our own scheme. That's why we really want to know time. See, you, you may say all kinds of things, but the reason you really want to know time is so that you can start scheming. And then you can start dabbling and altering things according to your own perspective. So, and that's what our real problem is. That's why we're studying this. We want to become the proprietors of time. Very good. Uh, Someone, Susan? No, I think this is talking about uh, conditions on the earth, and this has to do with tribulation and uh, of the... Of the of the horrible things that are going to be transpiring on earth unless God shorten those, accelerate, bring those to a close, that uh, there's nobody possibly be left alive on earth. Brother Bill? Time war, the final countdown. Right? <laughs> yeah, I just—I don't understand. I'm just—I'm making a statement. See, God makes a statement, and uh, we have seen some instances in the Scripture that He has done that. He's altered time. He has that ability. And and what we're locking in on is, is our problem is. Is we want to become the proprietors of time, and that's not our—that's not our uh, dominion. That—that uh, that, uh, proprietorship of time belongs to God. He's the proprietor of time. That's what gives us an understanding of what we're going to say about stewardship in a moment. Uh, Dale. Well, I doubt if man's ever been a good steward of time. But in the old days, uh, you worked 12, 14 hours a day to make a living for your family. Now you only have to work eight, but you still don't have any time. The reason is not because we have no time, it's what we do with our time. And that's what we're homing in on today. I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, I can give you some suggestions how you can uh, get some time, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Brother Dick. what our problem is. We're creatures of time. See, from uh, eternity to eternity, from everlasting to everlasting. That's, that's God's dominion. That's God's uh, uh, habitation. That's God's working. But we simply cannot, you know, everything has a beginning to us, but not with God. Pam?
Sister says if we begin to really believe that, then we begin to alter how we live because we begin to understand that we have to live in God's time, not our time. That's exactly why we're studying this study. Okay, let's move on. Just uh, another touch, and because uh, I really want to finish the, com uh, the completion of this. Uh, then having said that, we want to just touch just for a moment on a, on a study we gave in the altars of God, which has to do with El Ole, the everlasting God. You remember that study that we did? And uh, this is the God of the ages, or God, who works his will, not all at once, but in and through successive times and varied dispensations. We studied that in the altars of God, and so uh, we want to just t touch a, a few scriptures on that. Isaiah 9, 6, over in my right-hand side. Uh, Jill, I want Ephesians 1, 10. Uh, Cindy, I want Luke 21, 24. Uh, Rob, I want Romans 11, 25, Brother Lyle. If you'll get me those scriptures, and we want to just touch God who works his will, not all at once. See, this is where we really do have problems. Is as long as we can see the entire perspective, uh, then we're okay. But God works his will not all at once, but through the successive generations. sermon I preach on the linking of the generation. Okay, Isaiah 9, 6. Okay, this is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ prophesied by Isaiah who points into time, brings eternity into time, and calls his name the Everlasting Father, one of the many facets of his or titles that belong to him is the everlasting father that's a title that belongs to the lord jesus christ and this has to do with el olam the everlasting god that we that we studied about the god who is at work in time not all at once but he's working his purpose in successive time frames and time periods and dispensations ephesians 1 10 The dispensation of the fullness of time. This dispensation has to do with stewardship because one facet of stewardship is dispensation. And Jesus, who has the keys, who is God's chief steward, is a dispenser. And as steward, he is gathering together in the dispensation of the fullness of time all things unto God. Luke 21, 24. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What we're, the reason we're reading these scriptures? To let you know that God has a working in time that has to do with certain segments of time. And all time is not identical, but God's doing certain things that are unique to segments of time. Romans eleven twenty five.
Okay, here we have this mentioned again and a little different frame, which is the fullness of the Gentiles, that which God is doing among the Gentiles, and that's what you and I are involved in right now. God's taking out of the Gentile uh, people for himself. Now, there are three facets of time. I want to touch on this, and I'll keep referring to this because this is one of the most enlightening revelations that have to do with Scripture. There are three facets when we come to Scripture, the three Greek words. Aeon is a span of time or an age. This has to do with links of time. Then there is chronos. This is a particular uh, period of time. And that has to do with date or uh, hour of the day. We look at the calendar, we look at our watches, and this has to do with a period or a point. We could, we could actually, a better word would be a point in time. And then we have the Greek word kairos, which is a completely different word, and it literally means a suitable occasion. This supersedes both span and period and has something to do with God doing something particularly upon occasion. It's a point in time filled with specific content. See, in other words, uh, when we're talking about kairos and we understand that, we're going to get a tremendous understanding in our responsibilities as stewards because this has to do with suitable occasion. And that means then to be a steward, we have to understand this because generally we view time as in a length or an hour or period, but we do not view it as that. In other words, we say, well, I've, I've got plenty of time. I'm going to do that tomorrow. You ever say that? How many of you ever said that? Your wife says, Sam, would you fix this ends? And Sam says, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Generally, we view time as something that is not unique to the moment. We, uh, we can do this. And we can choose. We can do this now, or we can do it later, or we can do it next week. Or now, It really isn't critical, but when we come to the stewardship of time, we better understand that all these three facets of time are, are, are laid out in the gospel. And when we come to the, the, the being stewards of time, we must understand this right here is that God frames time in not only spans or ages, but when it comes to be stewards, he also frames it in kairos or suitable occasion, times when we must, and at no other time can we do what God is saying that must be done. Okay, now believers then are locked into this, and they must understand this, or, uh, or they'll, uh, they'll absolutely uh, lose uh, the, the, complete, uh, the complete responsibility of being stewards of time. Believers then are stewards of time. We do not own time. <clears throat> we want to bring that home to you. We are not possessors of it. God who is possessor of heaven and earth owns time. He is Lord of time and believers do not own time. What is a steward? What does he do? What's the responsibility of a steward? Uh, Sisters of Vossler? He manages it or he, what? He invests it or he, yeah. He accounts for it or he administers it. All of those are words which will give us understanding as stewards of God. Okay, it is God now and not man. Listen carefully to what I'm saying right at this point. It is God and not man that makes a period 
or a point in time into a kairos, a suitable occasion. Acts 1, 6 and 7. Somebody in this section here. Acts chapter 1, 6 and 7. Uh, Brian, Acts 1, 6 and 7. See, we're talking about time. Time has to do with span. You say, well, um, uh, what is this? This is the decade of the 80s. We're talking about a span of time. That's, uh, that's impotent. It has no power of itself. It just simply is a description of an age we live in. Say, well, what, uh, what's the date? Well, the date is the 29th of March, 1981. Well, what time is it? Well, it's about uh, 22 minutes until 11. But see, those have no power. They can, they can convey nothing. Nothing can happen. But when we say, all right, now, what is God doing in this moment that demands from us a response? We're talking about Kairos. We're talking about something that can only be done at this moment. Right now, God is taking out of the Gentiles a people for himself. In other words, he's saving sinners in all the nations of the world. Right now, that's what he's doing. Tomorrow, he may not be doing that because he has the ability to change the clock. Are you following me closely? Okay, Acts 1, 6 and 7. Okay, they said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom unto Israel? He said, it's not in your power to know the times or the seasons. He said that God doesn't, he doesn't want you to know that. That's not it. That's not in, you're not to be proprietor over that. He's proprietor over that. And so he says, I don't want you to, to know that. That's not for you to know. And God sovereignly selects by his omnipotence that responsibility for designating the times and the seasons where they become God's suitable opportunities or kairos. Let me read you a little poem. My life is but a weaving between the Lord and me. I may not choose the colors he knows what they should be for he can do the pattern upon the upper side while I can see it only on this, the underside. Sometimes he weaveth sorrow, which seemeth strange to me, but I will trust his judgment and work on faithfully. Tis he who fills the shuttle, and he knows what is best, so I shall weave in earnest, leaving to him the rest. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needed in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. See, we do not own time. We simply administer time. We work with time. We are open to and looking for those suitable occasions that God gives us to act. And we'll say more about that in a moment. John 7, 3 through 9. I'd like someone in this section to get that for me with a loud, clear voice. Joe Calloway, John 7, 3 through 9. And uh, Brother uh, Wanda, is that you? Did you have your hand? No, who's Steve? Did you have your hand up? Okay, a hand came up over there anyway. John 7, 30. Would you read that for me? And we want to, uh, we want to uh, 
biblically give you some understanding of this. John 7, 3 through 9. Listen carefully to this. Lift your head up and shout it out, Joe. You're speaking to the pew. Okay, the, the disciples said, Lord, uh, this is tremendous what God is doing. Go to Jerusalem so that your brethren can see what you're doing. Okay, go ahead, Joe. If you want to be a man of God and let God's work be, you need to go and not do this in a secret because anybody that does any wonderful work, they put it out in public and in the open for everybody can see it. If you're doing these things, you show yourself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe on him. Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet. Go ahead. But your time is always ready. You go ahead and go up, but I'm not going yet. For my time is not yet come, and he spake these words to him, but he abode still in Galilee. They could go to Jerusalem at any time they wished. As far as their viewpoint was involved, they were not locked into God's kairos. In other words, they were not viewing. They had no ability to correctly perceive what it was that God was doing. But Christ was involved in God's kairos. And so uh, because of that, he could not go. Now, you're getting a feeling of what I'm saying. When you become involved in as a steward of time and you get locked into God's kairos instead of viewing life as, the, as a proprietor uh, of time, then you cannot go anywhere you want to go or do anything you want to do, time is no longer your own. And John 7.30. Okay, and this says that they tried to take him, but they couldn't because his hour was not yet come. He was involved in God's kairos. And as being in God, involved in God's kairos, this means that the things were fulfilled that need to be fulfilled, and before his time, nothing could happen to him that, 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 that was trying to be fulfilled. Brother Dan. The time and the will of God is absolutely synonymous. Remember a, a sermon I preached a long time ago, the will of God has to do with locale. He would say, oh, yes, I can serve God anywhere. You cannot serve God anywhere. You can serve God where he wants you to serve him. That's not your, your, that's not your prerogative. So well, I, can, I can just serve God anywhere I want to. You can only serve God in his will. Well, I can serve God any time. You cannot serve God any time. You'll serve him in his time. Yes, Dan, does that answer your question? Well, we're going we're gonna to get to that. That means, that means that it has to do with this right here. It means uh, buying up the opportunity or using or purchasing or making use of the opportunity. And the opportunity always has to do with God's kairos, God's suitable occasion. See, when we begin to learn that, that's the difference between success and failure. When we begin to learn to work with God. 
See, the, 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 the will of God on earth is not just a program which he has shoveled out to us and we just take it and do anything we want to do at any time we want to do it. Uh, we're guaranteed absolute failure. I don't care if we run 10 million people or fireballs run off our hands. It doesn't matter unless we're doing what God is doing in that time. We're a total failure because we did not do the will of God. Uh, Brother Bill Bancroft. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Here comes one off the wall. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the outflow of this is the remnant. And I'm going to really lock in on that sometime in the future again uh, uh, because that's one of the most intriguing revelations. I didn't get finished with when I was teaching on the remnant. That has to do with exactly what we're talking about. Only the remnant are involved in this. If you, if you went to all the places that we went to and were involved, exposed all the things, that, it's just it's astounding how, many, how much religious zeal and activity and, uh, and uh, religiosity and doctrine and energy is exposed, is, is expanded, expended rather, but th they certainly are not buying up the opportunity and they're not doing it. It makes you sick at your stomach. It just makes you hurt. It keeps you awake at night. Brother uh, Bill. Okay, okay. he's uh, been very perceptive, going on a job, you want to witness to somebody, the, 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 the occasion, the opportunity, the moving, and, uh, and, and you say, well, later, I'm, uh, I've got plenty of time to do that, I can do that later, and you, you fl mind flashes back from the Kairos to the Kronos and to the Aeon, and you miss the entire thing that God's doing. Okay, the third commandment uh, is the day of rest, is given, incidentally, in light of this, is against the danger that we be otherwise swept away uh, in the general confusion of life. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but uh, Christianity has made, made such a dramatic impact upon the world that much of the world does observe a day of rest. And that day of rest was given for the removing of confusion and that uh, man have a mark and a, and a balance in time. It also was given that we could... Uh, uh, so that man might understand that in the stewardship of the correct use of time that he also worked too, you know, that uh, we need that in America, you know. Six days shalt thou uh, slough off on the government and draw your welfare check and not look for a job at all because you can make more on welfare than you can working. Is that what it says? Six days shalt thou work and then the seventh shall be a day of rest. I, I, don't, I want to finish, and so I, there's questions everywhere. I'm triggering thoughts everywhere, but I want to finish if I could. Um, well, maybe I won't. Let's uh, let's see what you've got. I and uh, this is uh, it's such a this is such a potent study, and once you understand this, it'll just really uh, it blows your mind, brother uh, Dwayne. Yes. Okay. Uh, you, some of you've heard the testimony talking to Don Liz McPherson. And my mind is working with, with uh, Aeon, uh, span of time, and locked into Kronos. But God said, Kairos, this is the hour. And I don't have any doubt 
uh, in, in the introspection, but that's what transpired right there. Is I, I uh, acted upon the divinely charged moment. That's what a kairos is. This is God's divinely charged moment. Now, if we don't learn to recognize this, then we simply are locked into the mechanics of religiosity and we'll be a failure as, our, as is most of the world that's in religion and m much of it under the label of Christianity. Brother Mark Hamilton. What's the difference between opportunity and importunity? Well, we must uh, seize the opportunity to become vessels of importunity many times to force the world to bend from this and to begin to act on this. Okay, sometimes we, we're trying to, uh, through importunity, make uh, this into this. And, the, and this is not... And you say, well, how, how do I know the difference? See, this comes a question. There is no catechism that I can teach you. <laughs> That comes out of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and staying filled with the Spirit of the Lord and full of the Word of God and being obedient step by step in the insignificant things of life. That's when you begin to learn and change uh, Kronos and Aeon into Kairos. There's no catechism that you can learn to, to give that. Bill Bancroft. God, give me that grace. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's true, Bill. And uh, the world is recording the impact of that life because he understood chaos, chaos. He understood the suitable occasion. Someone else? Stewards of time. We're not finished with this, but we might as well stop here because we're not going to finish. And I don't want to finish and chop you off and leave you hanging. Sister Mayock. Because he was involved in God's Cairo, suitable occasion, a suitable opportunity. Yes. And there's the difference between success and failure in the Christian life. Brother Dale. Oh, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, lots of time for recreation. Three billion dollars last year on electronic space games. Mm-hmm. Sports every day on television, lots of time, but nothing, no time to do God's work. That's what our real problem is, and that's what our study of stewardship is. Dave Taylor. Okay, but see, but but see, if you're not careful, you you. In other words, we say, okay. Uh, money belongs to God, and so uh, I'm going to give it all to God. See, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I gave all my money to God, and man, it's not worth it. <laughs> no, you, th that isn't, you, you're not reading, you're not understanding uh, what God has to do is, is with this, you see. And then there's people who say, okay, but hey man, that's good, I'm going to give all my time to God. Well, 
they'll not be able to to be effective at all so you can you can read your bible 24 hours a day you can fast and pray 24 hours a day and be a total failure because you have not discovered and are working with this thing yes okay and that has to do with Kairos, brother robin Harvest has to do with time. See, where harvest has to do with God's kairos. It's exactly what we're talking about. See, say, well, uh, I can, uh, I can, uh, uh, we don't have time to pursue this, but say, I can, I can be involved in this later. But right now, I'm going to do something else. But you see, harvest, God is the Lord of harvest. And when he's harvesting, we, we have to labor. That's what Jesus said. He just, he's at the well in John 4. He just won the soul of the kingdom. He's transformed her life. He sent her into a heathen village to turn it upside down and bring it to himself. The disciples came, and, uh, and they, they've been off uh, getting some groceries while he was winning the soul. And he said, they said, you better eat something. He said, I've got meat to eat that you know not of. And he just uh, had a satisfaction that no earthly food could bring. And he says, do not shave four months, and then come as harvest. Behold, the fields are white unto already unto harvest. See, that's what he was saying, is we're, we're dealing with Kairos. And who knows but what uh, he circumvented his plans and went to this, that place for the specific purpose of touching that little woman's life that day. I have no doubt that that happened. Does that answer your question, brother? That's do with heart. I have one more question. I'm going to change. Yes. That's true. And that's where he becomes Lord. Or we have religion. Amen? 